Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Today, I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, an Instagram TV post that I made. I'm also kind of asking you guys, what do you think about Instagram TV? What's it like for you? Have you put anything up? Is it useful to you to, to shoot vertical video, then edit it, then post it on IGTV? I see some content, well, I don't know, producers, providers. What do you call them now? Creators? I don't know. I see some YouTube stars trying to put up some things cut now down to a vertical video frame and throw it up onto Instagram TV now, which is sort of a separate app. I've downloaded it. I'm trying to check it out. It's kind of interesting, but I guess one of the things that I threw up there, and I guess what I'm going to run down on a few of these little podcast clips is uh, uh, I put together a handful of clips from a 360 video trip that we shot down at um, Sisters Rock, Oregon. Like when we showed up there, it was really cool. Gosh, we lucked out. Um, I've probably talked about it a few times at this point, but uh, we lucked out with a beautiful uh, sunset. And uh, so we waited like right at about the, the time that the sun was uh, right at that golden hour spot as it was coming down to its uh, horizon line to set. And uh, right about then we walked down toward the beach sort of on this long road that sort of uh, meanders through like this big mountain over to your left-hand side and then this big uh, sweeping coast that, uh, that kind of coves in and, and you see like the shore kind of washing in. But it was really cool to, to get to see that in 360 when we shot it and edited it and rendered it out later. But uh, it's also really cool what I was doing, I guess, kind of in that, that same time was shooting some clips of what it's like to sort of go through and shoot 360 video. And so I threw a few of those together of us uh, doing some stuff on the beach and walking around and getting some shots. And I put that up as one of the clips toward the Instagram TV video model. And it was cool. It was kind of fun putting up, but you can check that out. I don't know, over on Instagram TV. I have a few more of them coming up too. It'll be cool to uh, to put together. But the main question is, does that make sense at all? You know, like, does vertical video mean, is that necessary? Do you guys need anything like vertical video? I'm testing it out a little bit because I like put my hat in and trying a few of the newer pieces of media out. But I'm also kind of skeptical about some of the need for it. I don't know. I guess this is the other thing I've learned about Instagram too, is that it turns out what I like or what I think doesn't end up really being that important or that, or that necessary. It seems that so many people have their phones that are holding them in a vertical position and anybody under 20 or under 25 or something at this point is really going to understand quite clearly what to do with a vertical video and how to interact with that. And it seems like there's so much media and content being consumed, being downloaded, that somebody who communicates effectively in a vertical format is really going to be able to create an audience, create interaction, you know, generate something for themselves. So it's kind of interesting. That won't be me, of course, obviously, but, uh, but it's kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, like how these different things sort of pop up and then how over time it's, it's going to end up in something important, even if it seems like sort of a silly thing people as old as us wouldn't use. You can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. I was learning this, um, this tactic called uh, feather sticks. You guys heard of that? It's a it's like a bushcrafting term. I hate that word. I'd way prefer like camping or hunting or something like that. But in the world of bushcrafting, which I'm sure you can YouTube, there's uh, this, and it's actually a really uh, brilliant idea. And, it, and a lot of that stuff is great of uh, of generating the skills that you'd need to to run 
to to manage yourself in the outdoors and the thing kind of the thinking behind it is the more that you know about how to work with your environment the less gear you need to carry with you and and really the the, the more apt you are to make proper choices in a short period of time that will help you out so that's uh that's really helpful so you know just kind of like having fire building skills or knowing what to do and how to set up camp or how to run a tarp or how to get water all that sort of stuff anyway in this case you take some of these sticks that i'm talking about some of these drier ones you take your knife your sturdy bushcrafted knife that people so like to talk about and i think you take around 24 inches of that stick and kind of break them down to 24 inches or so and then what you're supposed to do is take that knife and sort of what would it be like kind of like peeling a potato or something or like you know if you got to like kind of peel a carrot what you want to do is kind of start at the top and then you want to peel into it you kind of cut in with the knife just a little bit and then you run a slice of that down all the way down to the the end of the bar but you don't you don't slice off that flake of wood that you've been pulling up you try and make it pretty thin too it's called feather sticks for a reason right so you, you try and kind of make it uh, like a thin strip of wood that's kind of pulled up from it and the wood will just kind of naturally curl up on itself as you chop on it and it takes a lot of getting used to you kind of have to get to i don't know you got to get the hang of trying to get those feathered pieces down because you have to hold it onto the stick itself. So you cut down all the way to the last like two inches or so of the wood, and then you leave it. And so what happens is that you cut, you kind of rotate the wood, and then you cut down, rotate the wood, and cut down. And so what you get after doing that for a while is just a bunch of these real thin um, flakes of wood that are all gathered up at the top end of this uh, stick, and then you have a nice dry piece of kindling that's sort of uh, worked down next to it and so what you do is you uh, people a lot of bushcrafting and camping stuff is just doing a lot of preparation and a lot of work that sort of seems like man should have brought a lighter or you know should have brought some newspapers or something that would have done more <laughs> but, but if you're into bushcrafting yeah that's one of those things you can do if you have nothing nothing around uh, but yeah you make these feather sticks and they're they're good fire starting material if you get the right wood that's uh that's dry enough you can kind of run down and yeah get these plumes of these um these kind of sod or not sawdust but these little like plumes of wood flakes and they'll they'll burn up real quick when you get uh when you get a fire going on them but uh what I did for this one oh the other fire tip what was the one i heard cotton balls and vaseline I hear that's that's like the fire starter ticket because it's pretty uh, pretty neutral. You can use the Vaseline for a couple of different things and the, the cotton balls too. But that petroleum jelly, that petroleum jelly that makes up the Vaseline, will rock a fire. And the cotton too. So yeah, you just you take a cotton swab from the bathroom, the Vaseline. You put that in like a Ziploc bag and then you pack that into one of the pockets of your backpack. And you can get a fire going with a lot of stuff, or you can get the base of a fire going with a lot of stuff. Like that would work great, even with like a was like a flint flint rod. I can't remember what the other word is for it, but uh, those flint rods that you strike and then you yeah you run a uh, a spray of sparks onto it instead. You can do that. I always bring a lighter or a couple lighters with me. I got one in my pocket right now. But uh, but those are really easy fire starter tools where you can light that. You got a good flame going for a sustained amount of time, running off the petroleum jelly and the cotton, and then you can stack smaller uh, twigs and sticks and stuff on it and then run bigger branches on that really quickly, and that, that helps out a lot. In my case, I didn't have that. I had a couple uh, a couple napkins from lunch, and I had some fern that I spotted over here, and it had died out, and so there's these, uh, these dried-out uh, fronds of fern leaves over, I don't know, about 50 feet over here under the, the side of the road. So I went over there with my knife, and I cut down a couple handfuls of those. I came back over to the fire. I laid out a bed of uh, the smaller sticks at the base, 
and then I uh, stacked in a bunch of the the dried fern as a bed there, and then I put uh, some of the the strips of paper towel that I had balled up in a section there, and then I stacked up kind of a little fort, like a little lean-to fort of some of the smaller sticks, and then I had some of the bigger sticks sort of ready to go, but lit up the uh, the what was it? The paper towel in a couple, in like two spots is what I try to hit. Lit the paper towel in two spots with the lighter. And then uh, real quickly, I just kind of held over the ferns, those dried ferns, and they lit up real fast too. So that was a great fire starter piece. And that cuts, you know, cuts a big flame really quickly. And then I put that over it. And then that kind of got the lower ferns sort of burning and some of the sticks going. And then I, I threw on those, uh, the smaller twigs over it. And then that caught and threw the bigger sticks on there. So, Dropped a couple logs on there. Yeah, I, uh, I was kind of scavenging them from some of the other firings that I was passing along the way. Even though I'd gone out, what was it? A couple? I don't know. It was probably a month or so ago now, and I collected a good bit of firewood up in some of the the areas outside of, uh, of where I was working at. And uh, yeah, I'd kind of I'd drive around, and if I see like some some downed, dried out wood on the road, I'd throw it in the back of the truck, and then I brought it home, and I cut it up, and then I stacked it up. And so some of it's kind of seasoning out now. We've got a little fire pit at home that we're kind of we're kind of using it with. But uh, I was going to bring some of that, some of the, the twigs and some of the kindling that I had, and then I forgot about it and didn't bring any firewood with me, which is fine too. No, you know it's cool. Really, almost any time I've gone out camping in the past, I've never brought firewood with me. Even probably at times I should have, or you know, in places that you're not supposed to scavenge firewood, or that it's been so used that there's just no firewood in any capacity left to scavenge. Gosh, where was that? Is in Wyoming. Yeah, I was in Wyoming. We were traveling. We were camped out at a spot, and campers just go through there. We were in September, so I'm sure you know it's just been constant use from uh, you know April until then, right? You know, it's just been constant use, and it's been like that for the last hundred years, or how long? You know, we're not the first, but uh, not in that area out there. Uh, there had just been nothing available to burn. So all the all those flammable resources have been collected by other. Uh, other kindling hunters in the past and and it's kind of interesting to see how that goes so we, we kind of had to be resourceful and we had to kind of figure out how to gather enough stuff but we did pretty well you know like uh, we, we result um, you can kind of go to like pine needles and pine cones sometimes those uh, those work pretty well and are often pretty dry and will burn well enough they're not going to be a sustaining fire they're not going to really like uh, get up embers going to the degree that you could really cook on in an effective way but but you can cook on it i mean you can get some stuff going and uh, and in some other ways you can get, you know, enough of a fire going that you can, you can get a log going. So that's, that's normally what I would have is, you know, you have like one or two good logs that, uh, that can kind of keep things kicking for the, the evening. But, uh, to get that going, you need to, you need to have some smaller stuff. And normally that, that you just try and find where you show up because, Hey, you can't be, you know, there's going to be sticks around. So you try and gather that stuff up. But man, if it's a busy area, that stuff will have been scavenged. Shoot. But that's not my problem now. So I'm uh, I'm loaded up on some firewood, and I got a good bit of coals going that I can get this stuff uh, stuff rocking with. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about. You're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way. 
through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. I'm looking into like hard drives right now. I'm trying to find something, but I don't know if I really need uh, the collaborative accessibility that is provided by by cloud storage so much. I, I think I need like fast hard drives, fast data storage and stuff so I can I can kind of move things around. That seems to be more useful for me than, uh, than the big cloud. I'm looking at a 8 terabyte and 10 terabyte Seagate hard drive right now. A couple other brands. I was looking at like the, the G drives and those cooler like aluminum metal cases. I was looking at other Lacey drives. I bought Lacey stuff in the past. And, but I'm looking for a bigger desktop drive. I have, I have a couple uh, like smaller portable drives that are great for the laptop when you're, when you're moving around. And that's worked really functionally the last couple of years. But I am looking for something that really probably what I actually want is a NAS or you know, some network attached uh, storage device. Uh, I've been interested in those for a long time. They're kind of expensive to get into. It's you know, almost like buying a desktop computer when you, you load it up with big hard drives and you have to buy an enclosure. And it's a big project just all as that as it is uh, so really uh, picking up eight terabytes or 10 terabytes for uh for 200 bucks seems like like it would solve my problem for the time being but that's what i thought five years ago when i bought a four terabyte hard drive and i thought that would solve my problems and now i have four filled up four terabyte hard drives well one two those are both four that was a two those are both ones so they're all full that's for sure uh so uh, yeah, I need a I need a bigger a bigger amount of space to kind of do the data management stuff that I have in the background. The tough thing is is like so you have four terabytes. Wow, that sounds like a lot, way more than I would have ever thought in the past. Oh man, think about twenty years from now, the 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 data we're going to be talking about. We're talking about AR files or you know, photogrammetry projects or something. It's going to be insane data. Four terabytes. I got to back that up somewhere, right? So I need a second four terabyte hard drive to have all that duplicated over to. So now I have two full four terabyte hard drives, uh, which is kind of the problem that you, know, you seem to run into. I'm going to get this eight terabyte hard drive and then I'm going to need a, a second one to back it up to. So the idea is that it's really just going to be this one big tank drive that's going to be the archive area for all this stuff to go and uh, get backed up to. And then we're going to have the smaller, you know, four terabyte hard drives that are maybe a little faster. Mm, I've been doing Blackmagic speed tests on them, though, and they are not that fast. They're like 100 megabits a second. I'll get into that in a second. But, uh, yeah, trying to get uh, the four terabyte hard drives I have right now to be more active, like for video projects or for the photo libraries or something like that. Maybe I can break it out and have that run a little bit more stably on some of those. But the interesting thing, the thing I was going to mention is that these drives are USB 3, right? Oh, wow, USB 3, that's fast. Hey, maybe soon they're going to be Thunderbolt 3 or the USB 3.1 USB-C connector. That'll be great. That'll be what? What is that, 10 or 20 gigabytes a second? Incredible speed. Wow, that'll be awesome. Or USB 3, what, that's 5 gigabits a second? Gigabytes a second? Hmm, slipping. No, mm -mm. these slow hard drives are what the the weakest link in the chain is. So you're sort of throttled back to the speed that the drive can write to. So these 7,200 RPM drives, these spinning disk drives, which used to be kind of state-of-the-art video drives 10 years ago, are now kind of considered really slow. They are really slow. Their data write speeds are somewhere around 100 megabytes a second, which is 
below half of what was advertised for the, the even USB 2 speeds of 250 megabits a second, megabytes a second. Okay, so what we're running 100 megabytes a second on a USB 3 4 terabyte hard drive. It's good. It's cool. It's I think better than the USB 2 connection. Act, you know, does so it's faster than a USB 2 cable happy to have usb3 but wow that is like not the same kind of performance at all so that's really where you're going to see the performance increase when you go to an ssd hard drive uh, so it's, i was trying to consider that about you know any like future stuff i was thinking about like uh getting like a pro desktop computer and trying to build out some stuff like i was saying a network storage device or i don't know other stuff that i could use but i was thinking about oh, okay so for performance with like a higher end computer you're really going to get slower speeds with that but you would get really fast speeds if you had an ssd or if you had you know the right type of enclosure that was built to to work with it really quickly so that's kind of been crossing my mind too for uh future proofing uh what i'm up to for the uh, the 2020s as uh, we're getting into it i really think though you know most logically the answer was probably get the reasonably priced eight terabyte drive now wait some years into the future and then pick up uh, a, I don't know, some multi-terabyte solid state drive of the future that uh, can transmit things at faster speeds i'm sure we'll get there sooner than later well thanks a lot for listening to uh, me kind of ramble about computers that i have installed onto my laptop that's pretty interesting right but all of that is in service of the greater goal of trying to get some photo stuff put together which uh, has been going pretty well i've been going through a bunch of images in the catalog and i'm trying to get together i think i've been trying to talk about it in in so many ways a few times but i'm trying to get together a couple uh, sets of portfolios sort of structured under like let's say easily landscape commercial shoots portrait shoots wedding shoots something like that and so there's a, kind of a collection of each so i can have so if people are to look at those photos they'll sort of see oh yeah there's these and there's this and then there's that so that's kind of the uh, the plan which is close to coming together pretty fun and other than that i'm getting into video stuff i've been editing a lot more in final cut i've got the big monitor up i've got the wacom tablet out i'm trying to go through and uh kind of use get used to using the pen it's probably easier to do that in Photoshop or Illustrator or something like that to get used to the pen. But in Final Cut's a cool tool also. You get to kind of, you know, flow the pen back and forth. As using a tablet, it's a faster way of working than with a mouse in some ways. Or it's sometimes a little more accurate. But it really is a bit of a learning curve in some ways. So I'm trying to tighten it up. It's coming together. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there. Some stuff on the homepage. Some good links to other other outbound sources. Some some links to books. Some links to some podcasts. Links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.